We're talking about conflict today, huh? Are you excited? So excited. Excited about conflict. Hey, you know what? Total side note. I don't know how we made it into our fourth episode without me using my buttons. That's where your mind goes when I bring up conflict. <laughs> my buttons. <laughs> like in mystical world now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hello, I'm Chuck. And I'm Ellen. And this is Imperfect Family, where we try to pursue biblical, theological, and creative ways to uphold the supremacy of God in marriage and parenting. This podcast is mostly unscripted, and it's just the two of us trying to work through and talk through issues that Christian families might face. Today's episode is Where to Begin in Conflict. Okay, so we are talking about conflict today, but not we're not like spending the whole episode like specifically talking about steps of what to do when you have conflict with your spouse or we're not going to share personal stories of conflict. What what is our plan for today? I think a good place for us to start today is just kind of understanding why there is conflict in marriage, which certainly we all know is tied to sin, but just how does that flesh out in specifically a marriage relationship? And then once you know that information, kind of how to apply that to day-to-day marriage. Sounds like this could be a lot of fun. (laughs) I don't know about fun, but I'm excited to talk about it, actually. We are only four episodes in, and even though it's, it's, it feels like it's been a lot longer because we are every other week. So it's been eight weeks of doing this podcast, four episodes in, and we still feel like this is early on in the podcast. And so part of what this episode is, is kind of going to help us build the foundation of just what Ellen and I believe about family, about marriage. And this, this episode is going to kind of serve as a foundational piece, sort of like we did in the very first episode, right? Yeah, I think it's just kind of taking what we talked about in the first episode and just kind of taking it one step further and talking maybe just a little bit more in depth than we did that first time. Yeah, cool. So um, when we talk about conflict in marriage, this is going to be something that everyone who is married knows what we're talking about, right? So I know Ellen and I got married and we went on our honeymoon. We went to Boston for our honeymoon. And I mean, it was like half the day was fun and half the day was arguing. Yeah, I mean, we had a great time, but you're right. Like you see in those very, even the first few days of being married, like it's not all rainbows and butterflies. Like there's going to be conflict, which crazy that comes out that soon. Yes, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. Oh, no. I walked right into that, didn't I? <laughs> I guess you did. And this is going to be like a 45-minute episode with all these pauses we've got going here. Okay. We know that uh, when two people get married, um, th- this is the union of two sinful people, right? And I think on this podcast already, we're, we're four, episodes, we've, we've, four episodes in, we've talked about this a lot. like. Sin, 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 sin. Um, but this is a reality for us of a lot of where the conflict comes from and the hard things come from with being a part of a family. I'm a sinner marrying a really good-looking, wonderful personality, but wretched sinner. <laughs> I feel like that needs a sound effect. What do you got for that one? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Promise no more buttons for the rest of the episode. I'm going to hold you to that. Okay. I'm just going to put my hand by the buttons <laughs> to just give you anxiety. Oh, it's working. <laughs> All right. So um, we know from scripture that men and women are created for each other. Man needs the help of woman and is created to be, woman is created to be the helper. One of the cool things in Genesis is I think we, we harp on like, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, he created the birds of the sky, and he saw that it was good. He filled the waters with fish, and he saw that it was good. Uh, he, you know, he did all these things, and it always ends with this kind of refrain, and he saw that it was good, and he saw that it was good. But there was actually one thing in the seven days of creation that God saw was not good, and that is when he created man, he saw that it was not good that the man be alone. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine about that this week, and just it's amazing that um, every single time God creates something, you know, it's very explicitly said, and God saw that it was good, but this is just like it's right away something's not good and it just doesn't feel right. Um, But God has the solution to that, and He makes woman immediately after He sees that man shouldn't be alone. And it's so clear to see that woman was created for man. So they are to be that bonded unit together instead of man being by himself or woman being by herself they are made to be with one another yeah and that's something we talked about in the very first episode um and this is the design so genesis chapter one genesis chapter two we got a wonderful design for marriage but the problem is is genesis chapter three and the rest of scripture uh is completely tainted by sin sin has now caused the main conflict in all relationships between man and man and man and God. Yeah, I mean, we see that man and woman in that are both fulfilling their role as God designed, where man was created to do work and woman was designed to help him in that work, where certainly we still see that playing out after sin taints the relationship, but it just plays out in such a different way and it leads to conflict rather than just this united front of accomplishing what needs to be done. So as we kind of further lay out this foundation, um, the original design that God had had planned is now tainted or um, it veers off path, however you kind of want to say it. And the way that looks is, is both men and women fail to fulfill their responsibilities. Um, so men fail to lead, women fail to help, and there's tons of other roles that are in Scripture that, that are laid out that we fail to fulfill now. And up to this point, we have said nothing that probably most people listening don't already know. So I guess the question is, Ellen, how does this foundation then of knowing these things work its way practically into marital conflict? And I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is how does knowing this and keeping it on the forefront of our mind help us when we encounter marital conflict? I mean, conflict is something that, you know, it's not daily or anything like that for us, but it is a regular thing. And I think that for me, the biggest help is remembering that we both equally are sinful people. And that helps me to see myself less as a victim in conflict of like oh you you're the only one doing wrong here where i know that i am sinful too 
And it's a way for us to work through that together of we both are stained by sin. How do we work through this together, acknowledging that both of us probably are in the wrong in some way and sinning against God? Definitely. I remember when we were getting married, we did premarital counseling. And the book that we were given to read was called When Sinners Say I Do. Uh, And it was a great book. It was great. But I had never heard of it. And I also never thought of it like that. Uh, that That's the truth. Like, that's the reality of coming together in a marital covenant. Yeah, I think that when you're dating, too, it's so easy to just see the good in one another. And you both are kind of, in a sense, like putting on a show. Like, you're putting your best self out there. You always wear your nicest clothes and you you know, say the nicest things when you're dating. And when you're married, like it's the nitty gritty day to day you that your spouse is seeing and the sin comes out really quickly. Um, So yeah, it's something I hadn't really thought about either until we read that book. It was like, oh, I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. How is this going to work out every day? Yeah. And one of the things that that book was helpful for was it helped both of us to think of each other as not necessarily enemies because you're doing wrong to me and and from your perspective, you know, I'm doing wrong to you. It doesn't put us at odds with each other. Instead, it shows us a really great picture, a grand picture, which is what? It just so clearly points to how we both are redeemed by Christ, which is just such an encouragement in the middle of conflict. If we can step back and remember that, that you're a sinner and I'm a sinner, and it helps us to um, just kind of put ourselves back on the same playing field. Ellen, you are a sinner. (laughs) Thank you. So are you. (laughs) And I've got good news for you. Jesus died for you. (laughs) Woohoo! I mean, honestly, like, It's a weird thing to think about in the middle of an argument, but not all arguments are like momentary. Sometimes conflicts build up and they last, and it could be you who are harboring some sort of feeling towards your spouse. Coming back and kind of just relaying, re-preaching to yourself this foundational thing is so helpful to get the right perspective. And I'll tell you what, like Satan doesn't want us to think this way. Yeah, it's something that it is not a natural thing, and I am not good at doing this. Um, I'm someone who lets things fester for sure, and it does reach a point where I do have to step back and be like, you know what, I might be frustrated that you're doing this habit, but me being angry with you is just as sinful as whatever it is that you're doing against me, and I'm not in the right while you're in the wrong. We're both sinning, and both of those things need to be forgiven and reconciled. Do you, let me ask you a question, Ellen. Do you think we'll, we're not there, um, but do you ever think we'll get to a point where um, seeing the sin in each other could be an opportunity to actually thank God for forgiving both of us rather than using it as an opportunity to attack each other in our weaknesses? Man, I certainly hope so because, I mean, like I said, this just isn't something that I naturally do. I... I get frustrated easily and conflict just tends to come more naturally for me. I'm somewhat argumentative about things. So I really do hope that I get to that point with you where I am just so thankful that God has redeemed both of us instead of just seeing your sins 
first and foremost in certain areas. It definitely feels good to know that the Lord is sanctifying me, the Lord is sanctifying you, but also the Lord is sanctifying us together. Yeah. I'm really thankful. (laughs) It was too perfect. Oh my goodness. That sound effect. Who knew it could be applied in so many areas? Uh, all right. Are you, was there something else you were going to say? Eh, the moment's passed. Okay. It's all right. We'll move on. We'll say the button set it for you. <laughs> all right. Yes. Ready for your John Piper question of the week? I'm ready. All right. Pretty easy one. Okay. So just again, background. Piper has this list of questions that he thinks is a good idea for a married, uh, an engaged couple to talk through before they get married. Ellen and I are already married. Not all of them reply, but we'll talk through them anyway because... Even though we're marriage professionals. <laughs> Chill, please. <laughs> uh, so, Ellen, how do you handle the Bible? So the Bible certainly is, you know, I go to church every Sunday to hear the word preached. That's super important. Um, I do my best to be in scripture daily, and that's something that I am not perfect at, Um It is a discipline that I struggle with, but I have folks in community around me who hold me accountable to that and just kind of do a checkup most days of, hey, what did you read today? What are you learning? Um, Just to make sure that I'm consistently doing that. And then um, obviously this isn't something that happened before we had kids, but with the kids being in scripture daily, which we talked about on our family worship episode Um, Just spending time memorizing scripture with them and talking about passages day to day and how they could apply that to their little lives. All right. What about you? How do you handle scripture? I, this feels like, okay, this feels kind of like a weird thing to talk about. Uh, I remember one time I was leading a Bible study with some coworkers and I felt like I had to explain to them how big of a deal the Bible was to me in order to like teach it, teach it in a Bible study. And it felt so awkward. Um, But I think it was just love of man that was um, overshadowing and overcoming my love of scripture, uh, which is a shame. This book is everything to me. It's, I believe it's infallible. I believe it's inerrant. I believe it's sufficient. I believe it's clear. I believe it's authoritative. Um, in all ways, uh, I feel incredibly blessed that God left us a book of his word that we get to read and spend time in. And shame on us for not spending all the time we can in the word of God. It's crazy that we have it. Yeah, I don't know if we have mentioned this on the podcast yet, um, but I... I am a full-time kindergarten teacher at um, a classical Christian school. And one thing that we talk about almost every day is why are we learning to read? And it's just such a blessing to me to be able to tell these five-year-olds that we learn to read so that we can read the Bible. Like what greater joy in reading is there than reading the word of God? And that's just, I love teaching that to my, my students every day. It's so, so cool. I love that you get to teach that to your students. That is so, so cool. Yeah, I have a great job. You You should be jealous. I'm a little jealous. All right, are you ready for what's out there in the internet world? Yeah, we need to name this. We need to name these two segments. Maybe by episode five, we'll have like official 
titles for these two subtitles. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hit me. Okay, so you know that I really dislike Twitter, but for this segment, I am back on the Twitter Twitterverse. Is that a word? Yes. <laughs> I'm back out there. Um, there's a lot out there to read about marriage and, and parenting and all of this. So this is what I found this week. It says, husbands, love your wives well. Your children are noticing how you treat her. You're teaching your sons how they should treat women, and you're teaching your daughters what they should expect from men. I think that's a good a good statement. Yeah, pretty good standard. I thought so, yeah. too. Do you remember that old John Mayer song, Daughters? <laughs> what a throwback. Fathers, be good to your daughter. Yeah, it's kind of that same idea of, um, you know, be good to moms because daughters are learning how to be loved by a man and sons are learning how to love a woman. Um, I do think about that, like, as a parent of both a daughter and two sons, um, I feel like a burden of responsibility to to make sure that I display that love in a responsible way. Yeah, I think one really like cute piece of advice that we've gotten is for you, Chuck, to teach our boys how to take women on dates by having them take me on dates and just teach them, you know, you open the door for her and you, you know, all the polite things you would do on a date but getting to practice that on mom and it's just been we've only done it a few times but it's cute to see them try to play it out we uh we have a contest in our house uh, where we try to we try to not eat sugar we cheat all the time but we put five dollars on the fridge and uh whoever lasts the longest without eating sugar gets the five dollars And so far our middle son has won twice right i've it's been down to me and him both times. Yeah. Yeah. I don't make it very far in this contest. <laughs> uh, I don't even think you make it through the first day. It's pretty rough. Hey, hey I do. I do make it through the first day. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, JJ, our middle son, he, um, the only reason he wants to win this contest is to take that $5 so he can take mom on a date. Which is just precious. And honestly, it's a testament to how you are raising him in that way. I think that it's, it's making this quote kind of come alive to me that the way that you treat me is how he desires to treat me. That, and that's why I brought it up because I wanted you to recognize me as such a great example. If I can only reach that applause button. <laughs> oh, wrong one. No, wrong one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, babe. Anything else for our episode? Yeah. Um, congratulations to you on your one year at Commuter Devotional. Today is that one year anniversary. Thank you. Actually, we are recording this on Monday night and my belly is very full because my wonderful wife took me out to celebrate. So, yep. One year ago on to the day of this post, so March 23rd, uh, we're celebrating one year of podcasting ministry. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. God has been very good to our family this year. And I think that a big um, branch of that is commuter ministries and just how it's grown in the last year. It's been amazing to watch. It is. I think, I think it was like, I think 262 episodes in the first year. And I don't think I've ever spent that much time on one other thing in my life. It feels pretty cool. Yeah. It's amazing. Congratulations to Thanks, you. Babe. And I'm excited for Thanks. where... This ministry's headed in 2021 because there's big stuff coming. Me too. 
All right. Well, everyone, uh, thanks for listening. If you haven't yet, please, please leave us a review and tell your friends about this podcast. If you enjoy it, of course, don't, if you don't like this podcast, just turn it off now. Why are you here yeah, if you don't even okay. like it? Yeah. I mean, our feelings are a little hurt, but it's all right. Yeah. My feelings are a little hurt, but it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> everyone take care. We will see you in two weeks. Bye.